Hi all, I'm Hannah. I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her. And I'm sorry that I'm coming to you this way instead of the way that you thought I would be at South Loop with everybody else. Um, but it's because of what we're all going through together. Um, my three-year-old woke up in the middle of the night last night and he was coughing and sneezing and had a runny nose and we hope through testing it'll be normal toddler stuff, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't exposing anybody else. One of the things that moves me so much about reading the scriptures is to remember <laughs> that in these weird times we are living through, the times where we are making hard decisions, where plans keep going, not how we think they should go, where we experience hardship and mourning and loss together, is that we're just never ever the first people to have gone through whatever we're going through. We are always joined in time going backwards and across space in our current moment by other humans, by other Christians, by other people and faithful of God who know what it is to not be able to know what happens next, who know what it is to hurt, who know what it is to have joy. And you heard a beautiful scripture from Sheena from First Peter that you're going to hear a little bit more about on another Sunday um, about the ways in which in the time just after Jesus was resurrected. So when people had been traumatized by the loss of this, um, of their savior, by the loss of what they thought hope would look like, how they rebounded in grace with one another, how God called them back to one another. And then we're going to go even further back in time to the time of Ezra and Nehemiah to a scripture that I'm about to read to you. So in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, I want you to know what was happening. And let, tell me if it sounds familiar, <laughs> raise a hand or drop a comment, which is um, the people had been apart from one another. They had been unable to worship together. In much more serious and concerning conditions than our own, the Israelites for 70 years had been exiled, deported from their home by an, un, uh, an unloving, unwilling imperial power government, the Babylonian Empire, and the temple, the center of their life of worship and community together had been destroyed. And 70 years into that time, after the people had been scattered all across and hadn't been able to meet in person and hadn't been able to share in worship or in ritual or in life together, there's a new king in town, the Persian Empire, still imperial power, still um, holding the Israelites beholden, and yet just a little more religiously tolerant and plural than the one that came before. And the king, Artaxerxes, um, decides that he's going to let the Israelites go back to Jerusalem. And his cupbearer, Nehemiah, one of these children of deportation and exile who has grown up entirely outside of Jerusalem becomes a leader of that effort. And there's this community that has gone back and that has built the temple back and is trying to figure out like, okay, we had this horrible thing happen. We were apart from one another for a long time. Now we're back together. What do we do? And they turn to their priest and the priest Ezra facilitates this experience that I'm about to read to you. When the seventh month came and the people of Israel were settled back in their towns, all the people gathered together in the area in front of the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the instruction scroll from Moses, according to which the Lord had instructed Israel. 
So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the instruction before the assembly. This assembly was made up of both men and women and anyone who could understand what they heard. Facing the area in front of the water gate, he read it aloud from early morning until the middle of the day. He read it in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and everyone listened attentively to the instruction scroll. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for this purpose. And standing beside him were Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right-hand side, while Padiah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashum, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam stood on his left-hand side. Standing above all of the people, Ezra the scribe opened the scroll in the sight of them all. And as he opened it, all of the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen. Shout amen wherever you are at home or in South Loop while raising their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Then Levites helped the people to understand the instruction while they remained in their places. They read aloud from the scriptures, explaining and interpreting so people could understand what they heard. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. They said this because all the people wept when they heard the words of instruction. Go eat rich food and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions to those who don't have anything ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy from the Lord is your strength. The Levites also calmed all of the people, saying, This day is a holy day. Don't be sad. Then all of the people went to eat and to drink, to send portions and to have a great celebration because they understood what had been said to them. Now, I think we can draw four lessons of what to do in our own time or whenever we are recovering from a hard time from what the Israelites did in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And there are four things that really stand out to me. First is that they rooted themselves back in the scripture. Literally, for hours, hours upon hours, imagine sitting with your whole community, listening to the scripture be read for a day, for a day and a night, for hours and hours. They listened to the scriptures, which are the stories of what God has done for people, right? So they're remembering all of the things that God has done for people before them. They're remembering the ways in which they aren't the first to have gone through what they're going through. They're remembering God's promises and God's love and hearing the story together. We're doing that, right? We're reading the scripture, we're taking it in. The Reverend um, Dr. Wilda Gaffney, one of my favorite interpreters, she just wrote a women's lectionary I would in invite everyone to read, calls it wading in the waters of the word. She says that the people came together to wade in the waters of the word. And if you're ever unsettled or unsure or need restoration, I'd invite you to wade in the waters of the word. The second thing they do. The second is that everyone is there. They are inclusive and they make sure to bring people in and to make worship accessible. Roger Nam points out the word that the scripture uses, um, men, is often used in the Bible to describe everybody, whole human communities, right? <laughs> this is true of a lot of our languages that they use the word for men, that's the word for everyone because sexism is a thing and you know we inherit the language of our ancestors. But this passage 
makes makes it really important, really specifically says men and women and others. It says not just one part of our community was there, not just the leaders or not just the important people or not just the people who could take off. We invited everyone. And then at the end it says, we're about to eat this great food. Send portions to anyone who isn't here. So they make the community accessible to as many kinds of people as they can make it accessible to. They say, this is about coming back together. That's the only way we'll survive. That's the only way we'll experience what God has for us in this moment is if we try and make all of the kinds of people God made be in this space, or if they can't be, that we go to them and bring what we have. And so we follow that call too on how to be restored, on how to recover in a hard time, which is we make our physical and online spaces as inclusive as we can and we learn constantly about how can we bring in new people and extend ourselves to go out into new places where God might be working. What's the third thing they do to be restored and to recover in this time? They weep. They cry. A lot of people take a lesson from this story that we shouldn't weep or that we shouldn't cry because of what the priests say at the end, which is stop crying. But in order for someone to tell you to stop crying, you have to be crying already, <laughs> right? And, and it means that throughout the entire reading of the scripture, they have been weeping and mourning for hours in public in the streets together. I have to tell you, I have had days in the last 18 months where I could use a street weeping, a gathering of mourning. And we are going to be having many of those this fall and next spring and next summer and for years to come. Because what has happened has happened. Our friends and the people that we love have died and they've gotten sick and people we don't know have died and they've gotten sick. And we've all missed out on time together, on things we wanted, on jobs we would have had, on dates we would have gone on because of what we are experiencing together. To cover those things up doesn't help any of us get through it. To mourn is another way of loving. To mourn is another way of honoring. To cry about what has happened is to enter into the great godly tradition of lamentations that says we call for better and we call for justice when we name clearly just how far things sometimes get from how they should be and how we want them to be. To mourn those we've lost is to bring them back into community along with the rest of us and to say that their lives were important and continue on in our community as long as our community shall continue on. And then there's a fourth thing that they do, which is they weep, they include, they read, but they also throw a giant party. <laughs> it says, eat rich food, drink sweet things dwell in your body and all of the things that make your body happy and joyous and all of the things that make our community feel awesome and dancey together. They go and throw a party because something amazing has happened. They are back together. Their pain isn't over. Empire isn't over. There is still struggle just as there will be for us the rest of our lives. 
but we also have new things going on that weren't going on before. We can see each other in person or we can celebrate online worship in a way we couldn't before. We are able to get vaccinated. We are able to share in the little mercies and joys of new life and new opportunity together. So let's throw a party about it. You at South Loop today are having a donut Sunday. I think that is the perfect rich food with which to celebrate being together. And for those of us at home, I would encourage us to throw a party for ourselves. What is something that brings you joy? What is something you are excited about? Yell, yell into the air, all of the things that make you happy. Because there is a lot to be thankful for. And God has told us to celebrate big, to appreciate what is, and that that does not cancel out any of the other stuff that we are feeling. So we're going to go into a short time of reflection for the gathered community, and then we'll have our time of offering and time of communion. But those are the four things that God is inviting us to do, that God has invited every generation to do when they returned to one another after a hard time. And so I want you to consider, how are you waiting in the waters of the stories of God, right? How are you returning to the scriptures and to practice? What does it mean to you? How are you including or going out in new ways? Who's someone you want to invite to be in community who you didn't before? Who's someone you want to reach out to with a gift of rich food? How are you appreciating all of the people who God made in inclusivity and accessibility? What's something you need to mourn and weep about? And what's something that is worth throwing a party over? Let's all talk for a few minutes. Um, and see where God or the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives to bring those things to us. Scripture, inclusivity, mourning, and partying. And then we'll gather back together for another moment.